you know, I was working in radio, and then when I when I was came to the UK, I teamed up with a guy named Tony Walker, and we yeah. were getting a quarter of a million listeners. I was the first American on British UK radio station on the Transatlantic Mix. Wow! Uh, at Galaxy FM. You're listening to You're listening to Bunny Radio. We're striking across the globe. Hello everybody, hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the Home Away Show. This is the Umbani Radio, and we're kicking you on the Sunday, Sunday afternoon here in Danbury, Connecticut. And we have a killer show for you. You're talking to your Paul Cooling Clapo. Let's listen a little bit of this beat by Sipo, Sipo, and the song is In Zemnyama. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be a killer show today. Today, I got you DJ Disciple, DJ Disciple from Brooklyn, New York, and he's going to be joining us in a little bit. And uh, the legendary DJ, he's been around. He's been doing a lot of things in house music, and uh, he's going to be joining us on the show today. We're going to be talking about a lot of things. A lot of things have gone. So since I have such a big uh, artist on the show, I'm going to get right to it because uh, we need to get him on the phone so that we can start chopping it up talking with you guys and letting you know what's going on and honestly speaking i'm so excited about the show today and i know you guys are gonna love it because the show is about you the show is to make sure we keep you informed and bring you the guests that can actually give us a little bit of a juice and what's going on on the issues okay let me get the dj disciple right now holloway show live This is a song, ladies and gentlemen. This is Coolie and the Coolie and the Cool Man at the Home Away Show right now. We got actually DJ Disciple on the phone, and he's gonna be joining us to actually talk about a lot of things about his legendary music music career and a lot of other things that he's been up to lately. And this is the Home Away Show, ladies and gentlemen. Let me get uh, DJ Disciple in. DJ, can you hear me? I can. How are you? 
I'm doing so great, sir. I just thought I should play the listeners uh, uh, this song, Work It Out, because it's one of your legendary songs. And uh, I, I'm actually even so grateful that I, I get to talk to you because what you have done in a music career has made people like me really enjoy you even more. Because now I'm sitting around, I'm thinking, I was in uh, England at that time when this song was a hit. And I think it was around about 2006 or something like that. And I remember... It came out in 2006 initially, and then um, it really blew up and out, it out on House Train Records um, back in 2007. It was on uh, Radio One. It was playlisted on Radio One, and it was on MTV quite often. Yeah, I remember this song because, you know, uh, during that time, too, I think when I was in England, there was another song that was uh, sang by another group. Maya, Maya, I don't know if you remember that. But anyway, it was a European well, group. But I, I remember this dance floor music. You know, I'm from South Africa, so I, I'm, I'm raised a little differently. So some of the UK things okay. we used to see and uh, uh, and also I used to enjoy a lot of hip hop during that time, you know. Uh, so I'm sitting over here talking to the legendary musician, somebody who has done big thing in 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 house music i i, I just want to gotta ask you for my listeners uh did the, the name is this dj disciple uh what yeah. is your actual name and when did you start it and how did you get started i know we're not going to talk too much about the history i was just trying to get to know you and then also to try to talk about the issues that are going on right now in the culture okay well basically i got my name dj disciple because i was a christian dj I was going to, I played drums, I was playing drums for the Greater Refuge Temple in Harlem. And what wound up happening was um, a friend of mine wanted me to do my own radio show, which I did. And I discovered house music and liked it um, because it was, um, it, was, it was moralistically complete, you know? It was all right moralistically. Mm. I was moral, moralistically neutral, okay? Mm. It had a, a neutral moral. Where it wasn't really putting down women, it wasn't really, you know, house music for the for the most part is positive music, and I related to that better than I did the hip hop at the time, and so I gravitated towards that more. But I kept the name DJ Disciple as a reminder that only what you do for Christ shall last in uh, the Second Corinthians chapter of the Bible. Mm. So I kept on to that name so that it would humble me and keep me focused on, you know, whatever I'm doing. Make sure you do for the Lord so that your living may not be in vain. Mm. So having said that, I did do my career. I, I started on radio, much like yourself, and um, I went to 91.5 FM. Oh, wow. Um, so from, from 91.5, I was able to be, have one of the only house music radio stations in New York, other than Tony Humphreys and John Robinson. But my radio show was during the day, and then it was prime time at night. And so I would expose and break a lot of the artists um, that are, are big today, like the Roger Sanchez's and the Kerry Chandler's. Wow. I was getting music from them directly from their studios, and I was playing it ahead of time. And so what happened was I was known as a DJ, DJ Acetate, because I would get like recordings from Louis Vega. I would go to his studio. He would give me the dad, and I would play it straight on the station. So when I was playing, I got caught wind because they were selling my tapes in London markets, um, in Camden markets. And so Bobby and Steve had brought me down, and that was the first time I had broke deep inside on the radio, the first time ever people have ever heard um, yeah. of, of Louis Vega on Deep Inside. And yeah. it, it was the first time people ever heard of Todd Edwards, which also was known as UK Garage. Yeah. And so when I came in, I was the second wave of DJs going to the UK. And I was, you know, I became popular there. I was doing 50 dates a year. Uh, but I was wow. also associated working with Smack Productions. And wow. Smack Productions from Paul Trouble Anderson's camp and so forth, Blaze Camp, Josh Milan and all of those. Um, I was working under that toolage, and I really became famous for one song called On the Dance Floor. Uh -huh. The record got signed to uh, U2's label, Mother Records. Farley and Heller did the record, and it became a hit record. But I was also known in the UK garage scene because out of Paul Trouble Anderson's side, you know, the, the music became more empty driven. It mm. became more to the UK house side. And mm -hmm. So I was one of the only Americans to really play on that scene. And I had other affiliates, um, the one with Milk and Two Sugars. Uh, and I made a lot of, you know, other notable records. So by 1997, I started my own label. And the first biggest record was by the Black and White Brothers, the record that goes, put your hands up in the air. Put, oh, put your, your hands, hands up. I know, I remember that. I remember that. So, oh, so man. In 1998. 
that record was licensed to 60 countries around the world. Wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. That, 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 that record has been sampled all over. That's you? Yeah, so I'm that, hoping that, you're that getting the, the money for that, brother. There's some uh, some hip-hop <laughs> songs are doing that right now. That record has been... So, so you did that? Yeah. Yo, so I, I had listen, no idea. Listen, listen. DJ Man and Mr. Mike did it in Switzerland. So I was playing in Switzerland often because, wow. you know, because I was, like, I was a DJ... And I was voted in DJ Magazine's top 100 DJs. I was able to, you know, to, to, to make, you know, a lot of, I was getting a lot of headway, a lot of gigs. So when I ran into the brothers in Switzerland, um, they gave me the record for, their, for, for my label. And I was able to exploit it. So the first time I had played with Daft Punk in Miami, we, I broke that record there and went to Miami Conference. So Eric Marillo and all my friends yeah. in the music industry were breaking that record. So wow. at that time, I had my hand on things because I was writing for the magazines as well. I was writing for Mixer Mag. I was writing for the DJ publication. I was producing artists. And then, you know, I had restored myself because I started getting residencies again in New York um, at Central Fly. I did, I did Central Fly for GBH. And they had, like, a lot of the bigger name DJs come. And there, there wasn't a lot of um, big clubs in New York because the culture was different under was Giuliani. Different they had yeah, a yeah. racist, a racist law. They had yeah, racist cabaret laws yeah, that yeah. allowed that didn't allow people to dance. Yeah. And so from that, I was able to, um, you know, I played at the very first bottle service club. You know, when you see people serve bottles with patrons and people buy bottles, oh yeah, we were the first ones to do that. I shared the red wow. Sanchez at Spybar, and, and now it's so big in hip hop culture. And he, are you getting any of these credits, DJ? Are you getting no, well, any of these credits? I'm, I'm, just listen to me. I'm writing a book right now, and it should be. That's what's up. That's what's up. You should put this on the books too. You should let them. I started this. When you look at the origins, like like what I what I've done, you have to realize that like the Paradise Garage closed in 1987, and when the Paradise Garage closed, it left left a big void in clubland. And we would then go to in between voids. So what what happened was I was a newcomer coming in, and because I was on the radio, I alternated with Larry Levan at the loft, which was the parties that were held were called the Choice. So you know, playing and, and learning under Larry Levan and learning learning the Paradise Garage sound from him, yeah, and then transferring that to the Wild Pitch parties and the Choice parties back in eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine, yeah. And then you know, obviously, I had some failures. You know, when when Tony Humphreys was at Zanzibar, he left it in 1990. And so when he left it, I was doing, I was just coming into Jersey and they asked me to play at Zanzibar when he left. Uh I couldn't feel that void, but it was a humbling lesson to me, you know, as far as because I was trying to push music forward, but they were used to what Tony Humphreys sound was. Exactly, exactly. And so, and so, I learned to create my own identity no matter where I went. Let me and ask so, you a question. You know, how did they take the how did they take the house music at that time? Or did you get a lot of uh, white people that were coming in in those clubs before you can actually well, be here's able the, here's to here's the thing, like like New York music was was very segregated um, at one point because okay. you you know, you had to deal with class, you had to deal with preference, and you know, you have to realize that New York was marginalized because of, of, of the, well, the crack epidemic really put a hold on things. You know, black people were separated from their family. There was mass incarceration. You know, we had a massive drug problem. And by the time Giuliani came in, what he did do was he gentrified everybody. A lot of brothers was locked up. You know, a lot of, a lot of things were, were, that was once was, which was changing. And so, um, you know, for me, because I had already faced racism going to public school, I knew how to deal with different cultures of people. So if you're well-traveled, I was able to have better, do, do, do house music. I was better and I have different relationships with different people from different backgrounds. And yeah. that kind of opened me up because, you know, and when I was going to public school to high school, I went to all white schools and it wasn't the schools that were racist. It was the areas that I was going to the schools. If I went to an Italian neighborhood, they didn't want black people around their neighborhood. They didn't feel like black people need to be around their neighborhood. Yeah. They're like, oh, you go to your school yeah. where your, your people are messed up. Don't come over here to our educated people's site. So we had yeah. a lot of friction because it was 10 years removed since the civil rights movement that I was going to yeah. these schools. 
So, so that I, yeah, you know, you yeah, you just yeah, but you but, just, but but house music yeah. was completely different. You didn't really you didn't really see racism in house music. Yeah, that was the yeah. beauty of house music. Yeah. So playing for different cultures of people opened me up. Plus the style I was playing, I played a lot of varying styles of house music. I didn't stay in one place. You know, if I would have stayed with the Paradise Garage Classics, then I would have been known as that DJ. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I took it to, to, to other places, and I was able to expand my different styles of music that I've played. And that, yeah. that became my identity. And so, I, you know, I was able to, from, 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 from playing in England, I was able to get EB, uh, residencies in Ibiza where I played in Pasha for like oh, 10 years under the Ministry oh. of Sound. Yeah, so yeah, I did yeah. residencies in, 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 in Pasha and Ibiza. And I had residencies in Detroit at the Motor Lounge, which was the foundation of techno. And I had residencies in Red Light and Montreal um, in, and, and, and in Canada, Sona and in Red Light. And I played with influential DJs there. Wait so I played a variety of different styles. Wait a minute. That, uh, know, DJ, that, let me stop you right there. I, I mean, this is just <laughs> incredible information. But now listen. You actually now basically telling me you one of the first actually traveling DJs right now because you had well, residences where nobody was getting residency. Nobody was getting residency at a time. Well, here, here's the thing, right? Yeah. You got to understand that that the, the American explosion or the international DJ phenomenon came after Larry Levan. So after oh, Larry Levan, you had okay, like okay. Dave Morales and yeah, yeah, you yeah. had Frankie Knuckles. Yeah, those yeah. were the very, very first. Those were what we call the unkillable DJs. Yeah, that no yeah. matter where where you are tonight, they're, they're, they're like people like Hawk Hawk. Can, but can I ask you a question? Because if yeah. I'm not mistaken, those DJs too, they made music. What that time, did they market themselves as artists? Or was it uh, because this is not the era, this is actually also the same era of. If you're thinking of a disc jock, you're thinking of somebody scratching records. You know what I mean? You didn't think of right. somebody creating music. You know what I mean? You were actually uh, right. keeping people hyped and all of that kind of stuff. That's the time I remember that that's what the DJ was. Not that the DJ was right, kind of like is, is a musician. Like, like if, you, if, you had that, if you had that and you was keeping the DJ hype, you had to have something there. The, 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 the thing that, that brought me to the table was I was getting music from a lot of different producers before records were out. Oh, so I had I was ahead of the curve musically nah. before the internet sensation. Yeah. So, so people who come also before. wanna they will come into your club because they know that if you there, we might hear something new. Yeah, because on, on two two different fronts, because I was on the radio and the and, radio gave me a major platform. Yeah. And I was and I was writing for the I magazines. I was reviewing the records oh, that were coming. Dope. So I, not only was I playing on the radio, but I was also writing on how I felt about the records. So whatever whatever records that I was associated with gave you instant prestige because you knew that I had my hand on a number of places that can get artists further. I was writing about magazines like in Mixture Magazines, about scenes and things like that. So those, those things helped me propel. And then, you know, I was working in radio. And then when I, when I was, came to the UK, I teamed up with a guy named Tony Walker. And we yeah. were getting a quarter of a million listeners. I was the first American on British UK radio station on the Transatlantic Mix. Wow. Uh, at Galaxy FM back in 1998. And so we would do like, I would do 50 state tours. And we'd be, we would do like 60, 60 date tours all over Europe. Because being a DJ magazine... Uh, it, what it afforded you is that when you was, when you was on that list of DJ Magazine, you knew you was guaranteed uh, at least 150 gigs per year. Now, when you're in DJ Magazine, you all, you 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 can get in the in the electronic car carnivals and uh, you know the big festivals, and these festivals pay you hundreds of thousand dollars per per set. So there's a financial gain now more than there is a recognition of playing in all those clubs. Now yeah, people yeah, like absolutely. Age 21 to 29, uh -huh. they can get into the, they're more into the festivals than the clubs. Yeah, Because, no, you know, you go to Ultrafest, it's like $1,500 to get in. Yeah. And so they're yeah. coming for that experience. And so the DJs that are on DJ Maglis get to be a part of that. Yeah. You understand what I mean? Yeah, no, I get it. I and get so, it completely. Yeah. 
But now that let me ask you let me ask you about this song too because do you made a lot of music and I I don't have that much time talking to you because there are a lot of things I want to ask you about they you know your history and things that you have done will take days man that's why I'm excited about the book uh let me ask you about this song card it up okay I'm going to just play it out Hold a little up. bit for the listeners let me just play it out this song uh caught up sorry I apologize apologize okay. caught up beat is so fire man i'm just listening to that beat and i'm thinking that can be hip hop too you can incorporate this into hip hop it's a little too fast well, let well, me ask you a question though you come up we coming up with music like this like this song cut, cut up uh what's the significance of it and then i know there's a lot of instruments in it when i listen to it later earlier on and of course this lady that uh that is incorporated too uh I, i'm just thinking what what's her name Mia Cox. Mia, Mia, is it Mia Cox? Oh. Yeah. Oh, Hold my up. God. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It does say over here, um, Sharon Mia, Mia Cox. Mia Cox. Oh, yeah. she's good. She's good. Man, yeah, this is a great... Philadelphia. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, so, so, the thing yeah. is, with Caught Up, Caught Up was done in the UK, and the guys from Groovalicious um, wanted to pick it up, and they felt that Razor and Guido could really do a really good club mix on it, and they did. And, it, and it, it was on um it was on Showtime it was on you know HBO specials and it, it did get nominated for a Grammy in the, in the United States so yeah. the record was really big it went number one on Billboard Ooh. and it was able to give me a, 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 a new following with the progressive house kind of vibe you know following Ooh. and it, it enabled me to have the residency at Red Light in Montreal you wow. know records like that fantasy reality those were after hour records you know um obviously. You know, a lot of the kids that go out, they get medicated. You know, those, those kids were taking a different kind of medicated. They were taking that 5 to 7 a.m. medication. I, yeah, I never took yeah. drugs in my life. Yeah. But we also know that that, that, that culture exists in the yeah. club. No, life. that's true. That's, so true. These, that's the music that reflected. That's, just the, that, that's the music that reflected the times and the era of, you know, what people liberated themselves to, were doing, you know, that, that, that wanted to lose their inhibitions that time in the morning with listening to Junior Vasquez or the DJ that was playing it at that time. Um, yeah. But initially, it was just an inspirational song um, to help motivate you and to push you further. Much of what, like, house music is, you know, once again, house music for me most of the time is moralistically neutral. Yes. So it don't have, you don't have nothing to bring you down. It's something to help to keep you up and lift it up and encourage you um, to, to go further in your life and to, and to, and to not get caught up. So that's what really that was about. Mm. So a record like this, okay, uh, caught up. Um, basically, for 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 a regular Joe out in the streets and hearing that, oh, it made number one in Billboard and it's so good, it was all over the world. I'll be thinking, bro, you made bread. How much? If you wanna like put it in terms of t- today, how big was this record? It was big, but here's the thing, right? When it, when it comes down to finances, because I never got a royalty statement from Strictly Rhythm when the record became big. Oh. But it's not, it's not about how much money you made. It's about the, the impact that you left. Because every time you do something that, that has your identity in it, it, that's what builds and gives you the legendary, legendary status that you have. Yeah, and yeah. I, don't, I, mean, I don't always equate things to what the financial gain of it is. Uh, you know, when I make finances from it, it helps me to expand to do other projects that, that, you know, because there were records, obviously, after Caught Up, I was able to finance and, collect, and, and, and connect with people and collaborate on a record that you heard with, like, Fork Green, Jasmine Taz, mm. or, or, or mm. do songs like Disciples of Funk, mm. or, or do, you know, records like When I Die, mm. and then, obviously, mm. you know, Work It Out, Changes, Rise yeah, Up. Yeah, yeah, These yeah, were records yeah. that, that, you know, t- towards the end of the 2000s, the latter part of the 2000s, that helped maintain um, the name that I have okay. to, 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 for, for newer audiences. And so I was like the first guy on the, the levels of festivals 
you know, before there was an ultra festival, I was doing like Iniesta Festival in Spain. Yeah, or I yeah. was doing the sneaker festivals in, in Amsterdam. Or I was doing, you know, Aruba Festival, the Heineken festivals in Aruba. Yeah, so yeah. doing the, the whole festival culture pre-2009 or two, 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 2010, you know, before EDM came about, I was already indulged in that. Yeah, so yeah. by 2010, EDM started and, you know, with David Guetta, it kicked off, you know, that whole movement, that whole culture. You know, yeah. EDM wasn't even a genre of music exactly. before 2010. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's true. That's so, true. That's true. So, so you know, having that, you know, obviously by 2010, I was working, you know, with, 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 with bigger artists. But my role was lessened because, you know, I'm a, I'm a family man. And, you know, I have a daughter. And that was my, that, that you know, I got, first of all, I got, I got burnt out by traveling. You know, all you oh, see is hotels, yeah, cars, so airports, yeah, clubs. Yeah, you get so tired. And, you know, that lifestyle can burn you out. But yeah. then I realized I had a son and I had a daughter. And, you know, I put my tour into the side and I sacrificed my tour, my, my tour so yeah. that I could raise kids because I have my kids full time. Yes, but yes, I was yes. able to still do events in New York. But uh-huh. it was more important for me to be a parent than to be to, to continue being the international DJ that I, that I could have been. Wow, and sometimes, brother. you know, you have to come to terms that maybe you're not as good as, you know, you used to be. Yeah, Sometimes DJs, sure. they, they out, they, you know, they, 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 they wear out their welcome. Yeah. And, you know, you have your time. It's like an old boxer. You get in the ring and you know you're not as good as you are when you were 25 and 30. You don't have that spunk. But, you know, you can still do some things, but you're yeah. not, you know, you're not going you know, to be able to be that yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, you know that's sharp anymore. But I can see what you're saying, though. It makes perfect sense because there's a lot of people who have abstained. And uh, and these young kids too are very vicious, you know. They're coming up with all yeah. kinds of things, you know. And uh, now they even kill you on the social media game, you know. Now it's I've I've heard that they consider it now. So they look at like you saying that back then or when you had this record, one of the most important thing was not the actual money coming through the envelope or going through your bank was being busy. Because you want to be busy so that you can get booked, right? That's how you get busy, right? right? So um, nowadays, they they say DJs, they even consider like how many social media following does he have before we book him, you know what I mean? And and I found that Mm -hmm. crazy because a lot of DJs like yourself, of which I feel myself, that should not even be an issue because... It doesn't matter what how many young kids follow you on fo- social media. First of all, you can buy some of these people. Uh, it doesn't matter how many well, of these people follow you. Is the most important thing is that the art, the level of art you're bringing in, if you go to a concert. Well, I mean, unfortunately, things have changed in that regard because I I, I am booking 26 DJs a month. I book a lot of DJs. Do wow. you hear the number I just said? 26? Do you hear the number I just said? I said, yeah. I am booking and hiring 26 DJs oh a month. God, that's a lot. Okay? That's so big. So what I'm saying to you is, is that there is a different mentality pre-social media and, you know, post-social media because what happens is, is that you have many more DJs now. And a lot of DJs have to work harder to get to where we were, you know, yeah, 10 yeah, years true. ago. And because of that... There's a lot more pressure of, on them to produce or do something different, you know, outside of that. And it's, it's very, very unfortunate that, that, that DJs have to, you know, that's a part of investing in themselves. That they just not, not only have to know the craft, but they have to also be a social. Yeah, and be very I, I kind of learned that yeah. from, from working in the, in, the, in the bottle service market that, you know, DJs have to know how to promote themselves in a, in a craftily kind of way. And it's unfortunate that that the, that the culture is like that now, but it is a reality of what the culture is. And so sometimes we have to come to terms and know what the culture is. We can complain about you know what it used to be and what it shouldn't be, yeah. but we have to come to terms of the reality of what it is right now. And what it is right now is that there's DJs that are bedroom DJs that want the ambition to become superstars or mm. to become recognized, mm. Mm. and they have SoundCloud accounts and they have you know, no uh, radio memberships and so forth, but they're mm, not. They're, mm. They keep hitting a wall. They mm. keep hitting a wall because they have to invest in other ways to make what they do, you know, stronger. Mm. And that means networking. That means collaborating. And you know, this has this has also produced an era of collaboration. There are DJs that collaborate with each other 
that would have never happened back in the day. Mm, so no, change, that's true. Some, that's true. Something is good. And yeah. then, you know, change is also, it doesn't come without challenges. Yeah, it no, absolutely. Challenges. Absolutely. And, so and the people that, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, no, I was just saying, and actually, to be honest, this current change is probably so overwhelming for a lot of people because a lot of our generation getting used to it, but the kids that are born after 2000, this is nothing to them. It's been changing rapidly, especially in the uh, in the internet level. Now, listen, I... I, well, let, me, I let me explain, okay, let me go explain ahead. one thing to you. I want to get this out to, I'm off my chest. When, when record labels were starting to come out in the, in the internet in 2007, 2008, when yeah. labels were being accepted for distribution, you know, it, it, it was it was cool. But now you can tell that a lot of the older guys, especially in the EDM scene, they run the scene. If you won if you won on the internet and putting your stuff on out, you know, pre two thousand nine, you know, two thousand eleven, now it's hard for artists to get on a label because there's so many labels and so many releases that it's hard for a person to even get their music on a platform without even getting the right kind of distribution. And then if you sign yourself to a label, the labels don't even want to give you any money to put money that you invested in to put your stuff out. Mm. Do you hear what I'm saying? No, I hear what so you're saying. No, I see what you're part mm, of it now. Mm, mm, yeah. My goodness, this is incredible, man. I'm hoping everybody that is listening, especially my African audience, you're hearing this because this is very important for you aspiring uh, musicians because you're learning it from the best here. Now, let me ask you, uh, because I've got other things that I wanted to ask you about what's going on right now, especially when it comes to social issues. But before we go that, I just got one more song for you because I, I love your reaction when it comes to songs because you make okay. music, music is you, uh, and it's very incredible just to uh to hear somebody who made a song what did they think of it so uh, i found this song one of the songs that i got uh was yes um there's something that hit me about this song and i i don't know why it gave me something that i i i didn't have it before i listened to it and i'm just gonna Uh tell you about it right now let me just bring it to you and hear what you, you give me a little reaction and i'll give it to the listeners right now okay Okay, DJ, this is my story on this one. So when I was listening to this song, right? There is that yeah. beat that goes on in the garage. Do, 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 do. So I'm uh-huh. thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? There's a lot of songs uh, that came out when I was in South Africa, uh, living in South Africa, um, back in the 90s. And um, let's say, yeah, back in the 90s. And one of it was a song by the group called uh, I think it it was um, Bongo Muffin. It was like do 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 do, and then it keep going, and then it, it would have like more and then the, the lyrics and stuff like that. But this is what what hit me about this song. The way it starts to me is like you have that bass. It's so consistent and so beautiful, and it's put just right. Like when I was learning like how to dance and having fun with my friends growing up. This kind of music, the music we should have, like, because we didn't know what house music was in South Africa at the time, you know. So when you get something mm-hmm. like this, you'll be thinking, okay, I can dance to this. And it, it seems like it was very accommodating. Anybody, even if you're sitting down, you can just like tap, 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 tap. You know what I mean? Like you're getting the rhythm, right. you're enjoying it without even getting up. And when you get up, you don't even need to do a lot more. Of which what comes uh, Deep House, uh, which is called Deep House right now, which is like uh, the, the, the idea in Africa is called Don't Sweat. That's what people like Deep House, like old 
old people like me that you say don't sweat that's why we like it so let me ask you when you were making this song um what was the story behind it uh, because it seems like it's so proper and, and and the way the vocals and the way the lyrics are put in it doesn't go outside of the beat does that make sense like it doesn't either hype you high like you know you can enjoy this song in a in a monday night and also enjoy this song on a friday night does that make sense and you don't need yes. to go crazy it's kind of like a song that come at 2 a.m when the dj is about to leave mm-hmm. yeah well if you want me to I'll explain to you first the song came from um the lyrics came from an album i produced in 2000 called my true colors yeah and it was sung by anaya day anaya day was famous for the record keep pushing on that you know gave her video acclaim. Nine Day is a very big artist and mm-hmm. big singer um, from yeah. New York City. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so she did that song. She did the backing, and there was a girl named Cindy that did the lead vocals. Yeah. And so you know, um, it's a, another one of those inspirational songs that um, that is morally neutral. And so I, when I when I did the song, initially it came out of the album, but then I redid it in 2002 with uh, Michaeli Shivarini. Now, Michele Shivarini is a guy that worked with Joey Negro. He was his keyboardist, mm, and he worked on mm, song, mm, all of, mm, all of mm, Joey Negro's biggest songs. Mm, and and, and currently, he works with DJ Spen all the time now. Mm, he does mm, all of the, the work for Spen. Mm, but initially, he started working with me, and we did, you know, Brooklyn Soul Boys. We did um, the Borico Bandits. And, you know, he helped. He played the keyboard on, you know, the, the, the song, yes. Now, I must tell you now and confess to you that, that Michaela Shivarini's not cheap. He charges me 500 pounds per session. What? <laughs> Which is about $750 a studio session. Wow. Cheap, brother. He's not. <laughs> that's not cheap. That's not cheap. <laughs> yeah, that's not cheap. Are you still there? Pr- uh, DJ, just up. DJ? I just lost you for me. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm, no, no, no. That's, yeah. Yeah, Man, yeah. You better, you better, you better know what you know. You better know what you're doing if you're working with him because he's not cheap. He's expensive. Oh so. my god, <laughs> that's a lot of money, man. That's like seven hundred fifty dollars for a session. How long is a session? Like uh, half an hour to an hour? No, no, no. The sessions are eight hours, right? Oh, okay, so, right. You know, we we do our sessions and everything is cool. But you need to know what you're doing if you're oh, work because, with somebody like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because once you're done, that's it. You, you, you got to give more money uh, to continue. No, I get it. And now let me ask you just to so, switch so, the... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, you wanted to ask me something to switch? Uh, no, I was going to say, let's switch the tune because, I, you know, with the time, I wanted to ask you some of the important things because legendary people like you have used this nowadays platform, like we were talking about social media earlier. And I said to you that a lot of uh, artists now, they have to be vocal on social media. They have to be vocal on all internet areas so that they can be able to say um what they think and because they're so influential they're called them influencers so the young people and the younger generation get to listen to them in all kind of issues so we've got some of the goods we've got some of the bads let me just ask you a simple Uh thing okay in these days you have kids i got kids in these states uh with all the artists with all kind of musicians coming out and talking about things other of which this the thing we should not forget is that when a musician talk he's not uh he talk on politics he's not a politician if he talks on law mm-hmm. he's not uh, a law professor or he's not a, a lawyer was by all means not saying that uh, uh people who are in the music industry they are not educated but i'm just saying their specialty is not that so when we listen okay. to the social issues we wanna actually also be careful what we take and what we listen, and some of it affect a lot of kids because kids tend to be very easily influenced right now. As we said, social media is a big thing nowadays. So you've seen people right. talk about a lot of things. The one thing I wanna ask you about is the things that is going on right now, the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. Uh, we know mm-hmm. what everybody is saying around the issue, and uh, me growing up in South Africa, I, I can really. 
First of all, we don't worship a national anthem like you guys do. Um, I don't even know if okay. any other countries do. But you guys seem to be more like a prayer than anything. To us, it's not. You know, you still need to mm-hmm. say our father. So um, the whole thing that he got blackballed of the NFL and the whole thing that is fighting for social justice using his platform, what do you think about that? Are you in support of that? And you, as a, a Christian man, what kind of role are you playing into uh, the social justice? Well, here, here's the situation, right? So Colin Kaepernick protested on the San Francisco 49ers because of the police brutality that was, that was common and the interaction between officers and um, people of color, right? Yes. So what happened was President Trump hijacked the issue that was initially about that, about the police brutality, and said, no, oh, you're supposed to stand for the flag. So President Trump made it an issue because he, he was coming from, oh, you need to stand for the flag and respect the flag. And Colin Kaepernick said, no, I'm not standing. You know, so a, a guy that was in the armed service says, okay, if you're not going to stand for the national flag, at least kneel to it. And so that's what Colin Kaepernick did. So he, you know, after it is advisory, he did do that. So now, you know, that issue being hijacked made the NFL owners realize that the ratings would be affected some way by it. But, but the re- ratings being affected by it because it became so polarized in one way or the other, you know, they had to come to terms and say, okay, this is a business. This is not our business and so forth. We could probably come to constituents and try to do something about it. But, you know, overall, it's too big of an issue. Racial, you know, policing is too big of an issue for the NFL itself to handle. But the president hijacked the issue because he's saying, oh, everybody stand. Colin Kaepernick is just really saying, let's stop with the police brutality. Now, the thing is, is that they have blackballed him to a certain degree because it was it was like a conspiracy where all of the 32 owners lobbied against, you know, hiring of him because each city would they didn't want to deal with the ramifications of what came with that. That's the reality. So he's the person that 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 was nailed to the cross for our rights to have a voice on a major platform. So black basketball players like LeBron James, they now have that platform. They have that platform. And, and, and in spite of, you know, they endorse, you know, what Colin Kaepernick is saying. And till this day, people are still fighting for Kaepernick to get a job within the NFL because many police believe that it was unjust of him losing his job. He wasn't an immoral man. He never got arrested. He never caused any trouble. You know, he plays better than a lot of quarterbacks. So why is this man being held back? Because he's, he's making an issue for with the police, with the police interactions with yellow regular citizens are, and so my mm-hmm. position is that you know it, it is wrong for what the, what, what the NFL has done. Now, when it comes to social justice, my church deals with it. You know, a lot of people deal with it, but there's different ways that you can handle. You know, justice. You can. There's. There's. I deal with more of the economics inside of it. For for the last ten years, I do an event called DJs Against Hunger. And what we do is um, we, we give out perishables for, for people that don't have a place to, to, to live and, and people that, that, don't, that, that are suffering from homelessness because homelessness is a, a very big reality. And so the DJs, I hire DJs to come together to, to do this event. And on Thanksgiving, we feed the homeless. All the mm. DJs get together, we feed the homeless on Thanksgiving. So mm. what, what, what I'm good, doing bro. is not I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not marching in the streets. But mm. I'm doing my I'm doing my part in the contribution of what I can do to help uplift the people that I have. I also do um, a thing called the Kings and Me, and the Kings Kings and Me platforms young boys from five to fifteen years old to keep them off the street and to give them something like learning how to DJ, and we give sh- workshops for, for the kids so that they could they can learn different crafts to to empower themselves to better themselves. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. That is so good. Just to hear how much the work that is being done that is not out there in social media. None of this uh, mainstream media is no, talking no, about no, it. You no. know. But here's yeah. the thing, though. Here's the thing. Yeah. Once again, you have to understand that you don't do anything to get credit for it. You do things so that your living may not be in vain. You're there to pass the torch. 
not to be known for, for, for what your action was, but because you do it, the person that knows that you did it is influenced and can move forward in the same way. Things that are good is not always publicized, yeah, that's true. but that's things true. that are good is still touching. And so if the thing still touches somebody to make their action better, then you've done your job. I always say, you know, I have my daughter, when she passes the test, when she does something right, I always say that her success is my reward. It's the same thing that applies to our people. If you can make a person mm, successful mm, in their endeavor, then that is your reward. Mm, Not mm. getting I see what the props saying. in social media. No, yeah. absolutely. No, absolutely. I totally agree with you because that's how it's supposed to be. It's just that I was yeah. saying that uh, a lot of people nowadays, if it's not on social media, it didn't happen. That's just how people right, are looking right, at things. And that's how the, yeah, the, the this generation is getting Sorry? Yeah, your, your reward is their success. Exactly. If you were able to reach somebody, that's your success if you was able to succeed in that. Yes, Not yes. the notarization, you know, not exactly. the rewards from social media. Exactly. No, no, I was just saying that because that's what's going on. But now let me <laughs> ask you another another another, another, cool, uh, another quick question over here because le- there's a lot of things going on. And one of the things that I always get uh, really uh, enjoying is when I talk to people like you, I know that some of the things that are happening out there you have seen. Um, what's going mm-hmm. on in Africa, you know, people say this all the times and it just pisses me mm-hmm. off. Because they say, oh, Africa, it's, it's now it's the time for Africa. Now Africa is coming up and it's been happening for so many years. I've lost a lot of friends, family members. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen my friends losing their jobs, losing money and all of that stuff and not being able to get to, to that next level. Even the next level to us, sometimes you sit over there thinking that these people are also waiting just the next level just to get out of the country, just to get out of Africa to find a living. So now let me ask you a question. You have worked with so many DJs that are coming off uh, in Africa that you have actually in the same venue or work with them or whatever. And right now, when you're looking at the state of economy, um, and it, the state of uh, music, um, you know, how the culture is right now. Do you think there is hope for Africans? Because we always say this as Africans, music come from us, but we never got the benefit of it. So now, do you think there is a chance that a lot of big artists that are coming out of Africa or th- there is a lot of hope for a lot of African kids? Let me stop you right are, there. Okay, go ahead. Just, yeah, me, go let ahead. me stop you right there. Okay. Uh-huh. So let me explain something to you. South African house music, um, when I first started, people started inquiring about me playing, South Af- playing in South Africa. The, the tempo of the music was much slower. It used mm. to be in like t- 2005, 2006. Mm, mm, they would true. pitch the music down as far as the BPM. I didn't notice until later. Mm. But South African house music, obviously, you know, Black Coffee was a pioneer. Yep. So I'm, I'm explaining yeah. to you what happened, and this is good and bad, okay? Mm. This is the bad of it. So you have a generation of black DJs that is all already fragile because there's not as many electronic music DJs that are black that are prominent, right? Mm, that's true. And so what happens is South African house music comes in, right? And you have a flurry of young African producers and DJs that have come into the market, okay? First, they had their own website, and then they was, you know, a lot of them came through track source, and this is beautiful. So what happened was a lot of older black DJs started playing that music all the time, everywhere, and it became a culture. Mm. And so from the European perspective, the European, unfortunately, will look at that situation, in my opinion, and they will say, well, listen, why do we need to hire an American DJ that plays South African music when we could just hire the South African? Mm, mm, okay? Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, and so the relevance of South Africa now, this is its golden era. Well, I would say its silver era is not its golden yet. Its golden is coming. Because now that Beatport has added Afro House into its charts, now that you have the relevance of WizKid and you have the Caribbean, I, I, I play it, I was doing Le Souk, um, which is a place that I've been playing since 2005. Um, they do a Sunday night called Afro Beats and Brunch. And okay. all it is is Afro beat music. And it is completely packed out. 
every single Sunday, packed out. And it is influencing other cultures of music, wherein Europeans, white people, and I play a cafe, so I know this, they not only know in a world versed with African music as a, in a total. Now, there is a difference between the music that comes from Nigeria and that, that, that comes from Senegal and that, that comes from Guyanese compared to the South African music. Now, if I know that, and, and the regular person knows that, that African music as a whole has made that much of an impact because it's influenced, and when you listen to Caribbean music, when you hear reggae, that you also use some of the same African artists that camouflage and that are influenced and inundated with the Caribbean music. So it is, it is penetrated um, 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 rap culture. It has mm. penetrated um, global culture. It has penetrated dance music. And so this is the, 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 the silver age of, of African music. Now, the golden age will come because you, you, when you see somebody like a black coffee who yeah. has a residency at high, and he has taken the, the knowledge that he's had to not just hire, he's not hiring any American DJs, and I don't disrespect him for that. I credit him for that because he is thinking outside of the box by not using and staying with the norm and standard. And so now you have the relevance of Afrotech. Now you want to have the experiment of experimentation of different styles of where African house music and South African house music, how far it can go. With the young pioneer producers that are coming out, the cooler the song, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, the black yeah, motion, yeah, these, yeah. These, the, the, the brothers the that are there, yeah. the couple and all of these other people that are helping to springboard what the next the, the generation coming after them will bring. You understand what I'm saying? No, so I absolutely get it. Africans, yeah, uh, there, there are a lot of Africans. So what do we have here in comparison in New York? There are no bright lights of young black American DJs that are at all invested in dance music on a producing scale. You don't see young black males from the age of 21 to 29 enhanced in dance music the way I was when I was 21 and 22 and coming into this. They are completely disconnected from music in that sense, whereas the African has taken the torch and they have completely run with it. We don't have that balance anymore in America where you see uh, a number of black Americans that have, you know, taken the bull by the horns from the old school and been being able to, you know, captivate an audience. Very few young black males in New York City, and I'm booking a lot of DJs. I can say that because I'm hiring them, that I get to know. You know, you have the adult clubbers that's like the 31 to 39-year-old, mm, 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 or you have, you have the, the 39. But when you look at where the EDM culture is, you know, people all, you got to realize people are not going to dance to daddy's music. You know, you know, the music that we made in the 80s and 90s, <laughs> they don't, the, the kids that are for 21 to 29, they're not into that. They're not. It's just their culture. <laughs> they are attached to their culture. Absolutely. And so this is a part of their culture. And so with, with, when it comes to blacks being able to have any footprint, any, any print on this music, it is coming from Africa. It's not coming from us because in this generation, we have not produced it. Yeah. It is not existing. Now, the, the older guy is still running it. The Tony Humphreys is still going to run it. Marcus Wise is still going to run it. Ted Patterson, the older echelon of DJs are still in the game, and they ain't going anywhere. But the younger DJ is not built for them because they're still on the trap music, still on that culture, still on the, you know, and they have not adapted. You know, you have Afropunk, but that electronic music where it's produced a DJ and the relevance of a black coffee has not existed. In the last 20 years, where you've seen a young black DJ from America make an impact on dance music, it hasn't happened. Yeah, so no, that's, that's true. the realization. That's true. And we have to come to terms yeah. of where the African is and where the youth of Africa uh. is producing house music that is relevant to the scene and where the American black young man is that has not been able to come to fruition of where he's at right now. That yeah. is the reality. Oh, no, no, no. You're absolutely right, brother. You know, one of the reasons why I brought that question up is because people at home, they've been complaining that, you know, uh, coffee's uh, music is starting to change. You know, they live it. Okay. But, you know, you but know, people the, are always nothing, not used to change. Exactly. 
and another thing too, Something he's like been throwing. And and exactly, and another thing too, he's been trying to throw a little bit of what's going on here and what's going on in Europe, so that it it could be more yeah. for a bigger audience than just a smaller audience. But, and at home, and I've been in his position before because yeah, yeah. I played where he played at. I've been in his position to play. But the thing is, is that you cannot advance if you have a purist mindset. You cannot have international nah, appeal if you have a local mindset. You have to broaden your appeal. You have to broaden your mind. You have to broaden your perspective to advance to yeah. any spectrum of music that you have in your life. Anything. No, no, man. This is great. I, I really love this. Can I just ask you one more favor before we go, DJ? Because I'm going to ask you. I have a, a little kid from uh, my hometown in Guazulu Natal, and he's from uh, Clement. Um, he's a son of a friend of mine, so I know this kid. And he released uh, this song. I don't know what's the name of the song. I still have to ask him. But anyway, he hasn't got it anywhere yet, so he gave me this song. And I was like, you know what? If I can just get to play it to DJ Disciple and just to hear it and just give me some notes on it. Like, I mean, I'm not going to make you listen to the whole song, of course. I uh, like 30 minutes of it just to kind of get your idea about it, okay? Uh, DJ? Hello? I'm here. I'm oh, here. okay, okay. I'm going to play this song just so that you can hear it, okay? <laughs> Okay, DJ Disciple, uh, this is one of, um, this is a kid, his name is DJ Junior out of South Africa. And he's what you call, uh, and, ah, uh, man, I think he's like 21, 22. Uh, really? Yeah, he's young. Uh, he just. Uh, that's great, man. That's, that sounds, yo, I, I give him full props for that. Oh, give I give it? him full props. Really? Dope. Really? Yeah, man. You got to understand, he's 21. Not a lot of 21 is able to do that. Sorry. Yeah, he's 21 and he made that. I give him full props. Why? Because it takes a lot of sacrifice to make that kind of music at this age or his age. To do that, oh that's amazing. Oh, my God. He will really love this. He will really love this. And I know he's listening right now. He must be over the moon. But I, I really... Yeah, up- man, keep going. <laughs> I would say that the future is his. He can grab it by the horn. The future is his. The guys that are making music, if you're in your 20s, yeah. I say, listen, let the world hear you. The and, world is your and, voice. And, he's not even, and these kids are not even making it in the studio, actually. This is not right. coming okay. out of the studio. It's made out house. of a... Yeah, in yeah. the shack somewhere, and they're sitting over right, there. Right, right, right. <laughs> but listen, as long as they have the means to do it and they have the ability, you know, your motivation has to be there. And you know what? It doesn't matter. Listen, I still live in the projects. I live in housing. I came up in the crack ever. I've been through bad times. I've seen bad environments. But the environment does not make you where you are. It's not about who you are. It's about where you're at. And if you can take, if you have a vision to go where you need to go, then you know that it will take you there through your faith. You have to have faith to know that, that, that the things that you want exist. And you have to put it into practice. You have to make that happen for yourself. You have to have faith in yourself. And, and that is part of loving yourself. And if you have the ability to do that, you can go far. Yeah, no, Listen, absolutely. I gotta go. Yeah, I, I know I you gotta go. Work. That's why I had to let you go. So thank you so much, DJ Disciple. Hey, listen on on the um on Instagram, you being uh, your founders, DJ Disciple New York Disciple. City. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, brother. I know we're gonna talk to you soon, and I'll send you the tape. I really appreciate this interview. Thank you so much, man. We'll be talking again, and I hope you have a good day. All right. All right. Thank you, brother. Take care. All right. Bye. 
Holloway Show live. That is a gentleman that was DJ Disciple and is uh, from New York City. I really, really love this man. I really enjoyed his time that he gave us uh, because, I mean, he gave me like a lot of stuff and it was so much stuff to talk about. I couldn't even go in into some of the stuff that he has done and the things that he's doing right now. And I just want to say that to the legendary DJ, thank you for the time. You just blessed this African child on a Sunday and uh, you have actually gave me so much um uh you have gave me so much of your time then i actually um i i wanted to smell milk it all you know and sometimes you know when these people give you their time you just want to milk it all milk it all take it all thank you so much ladies and gentlemen uh this is coolie the cool man and uh, i'm just gonna look at dj right now so those people who are listening so you know where you can find dj disciple i'm just gonna go to his instagram uh page uh, is at uh, DJ Disciple uh, NYC. DJ Disciple NYC. Um, that's how you can find him on Instagram. And uh, let, let me make sure. I'm just making sure right now. Uh, yeah, DJ Disciple New York City NYC and Instagram. So thank you so much for everybody that tune in. We really enjoy it if you guys tune in and listen to us and give us a chance because the most important thing is that we're trying to do a show so you guys can enjoy it and you guys can have fun with this. It's us here at Timbani Radio and we really enjoy every moment and every time that you're giving us. We have a lot more shows for you coming up and I gotta, you know, let me just stop the music for a second because I have to apologize to this. Uh, I know that last week we didn't have a show and there's some days where we didn't have a show at 1.30. Uh, um, I have a new baby and um, he's only four months and uh, you know how things work. Um, you know how expensive babysitting is. Uh, sometimes I can't do the show on a Sunday so I might end up doing like two shows every week for the winter. Uh, meaning um, two shows a month actually. And then the other shows are going to be like impromptu show. So that means I'm going to record them as a podcast and put them in a podcast and you guys get to listen to them. Because I know there's a lot of people who listen to us in a podcast anyway, especially the West Coast people uh, from San Francisco, New York. I mean, San Francisco, Seattle, Los Angeles, all of that area. A lot of them listen to the podcast and listen live. That's fine. I really appreciate that. That's what, That's what's up. You know, we really appreciate the help. Um, so I'm going to start to do those impromptu shows, two of them a, a month, and then live shows, two of them a month. Because every other weekend, um, my wife has to work, so that means I have to watch the kids. And my brother and dad from UMSHI just came back from South Africa. He might also be busy uh, too, because we do this show on a remote side. So he's over in UMSHI, I'm over here in the studio. So sometimes it's kind of hard, you know. I really appreciate uh, every moment you uh that you guys give us and I, I appreciate the reviews though you know the only reason that we will know that you listen is if we see you guys go to anywhere you listen to the podcast and then just make sure let me let hillary tell you where you can get the podcast actually because she can tell it better than check me. out umbani radio podcasts on TuneIn, soundcloud itunes stitcher and google play music you're listening to you're listening to Bunny Radio. Anyway, thank you, um, ladies and gentlemen. So wherever you listen to the podcast, give us a review, subscribe, and receive the podcast all the time. Then it will make it easier for us to know that you are listening. So you can go anywhere and listen to the podcast. You'll find it. The only place I haven't got it in yet is Spotify and iHeart. So I'm working so hard to get it in there. Uh, but I really appreciate you guys because everything that you do to support uh, Umbani Productions, Umbani Radio, it's very important to us because we are trying to build something here. It might take us a minute, but we are trying to build something here. And we're going to give you more better interviews. Uh, even us as interviewers, we're starting to getting a little bit better with our art to understand who we're interviewing and why are they important for you guys. It was very important for me to bring DJ Disciple today because he's doing it in the music industry where it's not really hard and he has done it so many times. He's been there for years now. So it was very important to hear from him because anything that he says is 
very important to making some of the young aspiring musician in the diaspora community and back at home in South Africa. So now they can take something really good from him. And then I also want to say, uh, I want to give a special shout out actually. Um, a shout out to everybody at home, man, in Johannesburg and Durban or Pretoria, uh, Cape Town, who get to listen to the podcast. I know how much those data, uh, the data cost, uh, done at home, uh, the, the data or data, whatever it's called. I know, um, it's cost a lot of money for you guys to listen to just one show. But those who did, I really, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate it. Just hit me a message too. Let us know on uh, Umbani Radio or on uh, Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook, Home Away Show, No Space Between Home and Away. And you can just send me a message too. Coolintlapo uh, at gmail.com or you can go to our uh, Gmail account, homeawaycrew at gmail.com and send us a message just to let us know how you feel and how you've been feeling about everything that you've been hearing. What can we do to get better and what can we do to give a show for you guys, the people you like to hear from? Even if you say you like to hear from Jay Z, hey, listen, I, I can imitate Jay. I can imitate Jay, you know, I can interview myself like, like I'm a cheesy. I'm just kidding. But anyway, I really appreciate all the support you gave to Mbani Productions. I'm working on the website right now and uh, uh, I'm hoping in the next 24 hours the website is going to be live, uh, umbaniproductions.com. And on the website, you're going to actually be able to um, click on listen live and um, you can actually listen live on the radio. Uh, by going to the website and I'm going to try to post a lot of videos too in there. So I'm just working on that. I'll see what I can do. I really appreciate everybody that support us, man. Really do. I know I've said appreciate maybe like what, 1,500 times, but whatever. I can say it more. Appreciate it. I'm African. I appreciate it. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is... Holloway Show Live. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I will see you next week. I'm out.